0: Thank you, David and Fran. That was phenomenal, wasn't it? Friends, why don't you bow with me as we ask the Lord's help this morning. Heavenly Father, we do come before you thankful. Thankful that we can come before you. That we can open your word together. Thankful that we can proclaim your word. Thankful that we can honor and worship you this morning. As we know, there are brothers and sisters in Christ across the globe at this moment are huddled in corners, fearful of their countrymen, fearful of their government. But Father, this time, this point in season of our country's history, we are allowed as 500 people today gather together to read your word, and we are thankful for that. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, I'm going to share with you something about me that you didn't know that I am into the history of warfare. Yep, the care pastor is into war. Believe that? (laughs) Care pastor is into warfare. Not just regular warfare, not that there is regular warfare, but, but I'm into medieval siege warfare against castles. Medieval siege warfare against castles. And it has always fascinated me how in the Middle Ages, people would set up castles to defend themselves against an enemy, and that enemy would lay siege to the castle. They would lay siege to it to take it over, to pillage, to take all that was in the inside of the castle, um, and also to take lives as well. So I always, I know in a weird way, the care pastor thinks it's cool, but it's kind of neat to look at that history. In fact, I want to show you a couple of castles right now. This first one we're going to look at is the Edinburgh Castle. And I did some research, and here's what I found. That the Edinburgh Castle was besieged many times throughout its colorful history, and sometimes successful, sometimes not. In year 638, the castle was attacked by Oswald of Northumbria. Oswald of Northumbria, and he successfully took over the castle, and not just the castle, but the surrounding area as well. Edward I of England also besieged Edinburgh in 1296, and it only took him three days to take over that castle, just three days. So think about that, just like that, he took it over. And he took over all the treasured artifacts and everything that was within that castle, he took and took it, everything back to England. It was occupied, this, this castle here was occupied by the Scots and the English time and time again. Scots would take it, the English would take it. they go back and forth for many, many, many years. So Edinburgh is really cool. Now the next one here is Castle Gallyard. And I love this, this is a castle on a hill. I mean, this is a fortified structure, and it had one of the most famous sieges sieges ever to come against it. The Castle Gallyard was built in France by Richard the Lionheart. You mentioned Richard the Lionheart's name, you know, it's got to be pretty cool. But it was built in 1198, and it's your typical castle that was built during the Crusades, but it had two outer wooden circles and a stone inner circle. King Philip of France laid siege to the castle in 1203, and it was interesting how he did it. He and his men found an unguarded toilet outlet that they they went into, and I'm thinking to myself, so there was a guarded toilet outlet at one point, and (laughs) Whatever, whoever soldier, whatever soldier guarded that, that job really stunk. But uh, um, <laughs> Sorry, that's all I got today. <laughs> but you guys love me. Um, but it was an unguarded toilet outlet that they got in, and they got into the chapel. So the toilet and the chapel were combined there, and they got in, and they led into the chapel. They went through the outer circle into the under, inner, inner circle and through a bridge that was on there as well. And the troops dug underneath the wall, penetrating the defenses, and the castle was taken over. Now, it may have taken as long as eight to nine months for this to happen. So the first castle was just a three-day siege. This one took almost a year to take over. Now, the reason why I bring up these fortified structures this morning is it ties in with the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at this morning. And it may tie in with some of the things that you and I have been struggling with in life. So I want you to turn with me to Psalm chapter 91, we're Psalm 91. It's on page 497 in your pew Bible. And I want to let you know that if you came today and you do not ha- own a Bible, the Bible in the pew rack in front of you is yours to take home with you. In fact, we have a member of our church, Shirley Bush, who replaces all the stuff in the pews, and Shirley gets really excited when she has to replace the Bible. So if you came today and you do not own a Bible, that's yours to take with you. So we're in Psalm 91, I'm going to read the whole chapter and we're going to see what the Lord is saying in this chapter. So, you there? Psalm 91, starting in verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will look only with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, The Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. In their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike a foot, your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him, because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So here the writer, possibly King David, scholars aren't exactly sure who wrote this psalm, but possibly King David knew what he was talking about because he was very familiar with siege warfare, particularly siege warfare in life. And how to defend an attack. In fact, he dress he addresses this in a very poetic way. He dresses it with great, great imagery. But friends, in order to find the point of this chapter, I need to ask you a question. I need to ask you a question. Have you, in life circumstances, been in a position where you felt there was no way out? Whatever that may be, in life circumstances, whatever that may be. You're perplexed and you're saying, there is no way out of this. You feel you're in your life, which is your castle, and catapults are launching boulders against the walls and arrows are flying in, the enemy is at the gates, and you say, there is no way out. And I see many of you shaking your heads that you've been there before. And you know what? In your own strength and in your own wisdom, there is no way out. Now, I know you're thinking, thank you, Pastor Rick, for depressing me this morning. (laughs) Well, let's look at these first two verses here to get some encouragement. Let's look at the first two verses in chapter 91. It says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Now, these first two verses set the stage for the rest of the chapter. I mean, right at the beginning, it says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. So when one is under attack, one enters the castle, right? One enters the castle. It's clear here that the one who dwells in the shelter of the Most High is one who is very, very close to the Lord. He is in shelter, and he is in shadow. Friends, this is speaking of one who is a follower of the Lord. It's speaking of the Christian, one who is abiding in the Almighty, so if you're a Christian today this is speaking to you. It says here it says the Lord is my refuge, my fortress and my God. So there is something very personal here, something very intimate. I'm going to say it again, it says my refuge, my fortress and my God. But something else seems to come clear to and clear in this passage as well, that we don't need to enter the fortress. We should already be there. So friends, if you put your trust in Christ, and Christ alone, you don't need to enter the fortress. You all are already there. Now it doesn't mean, we read this passage and it's kind of perplexing. It's we're thinking, this is, sounds great, but does that mean that things are going to be perfect in life? We know that's not true. Bad things are going to happen. And I look out and I see some of you looking in your eyes that you're struggling with some things today. But that doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen, but it means that we can trust in the wisdom and in the care of our Lord. We can trust in the wisdom and the care of our Lord. Friends, we're going to look at three ways that we are under siege warfare, three battles that we go through in life, and then we'll look again at this passage and see who has the strength and who is our deliverer. Number one, we go through a physical battle in life, don't we? Now, Now that I've just turned 50 years old, I'm kind of feeling the aches and pains. Now, I know some of you are saying, "You ain't seen nothing yet, Rick. You ain't seen nothing yet." But I'm feeling some aches and pains, and in fact, if I can show you. I got my AA, my ARP card this week, so I'm in the club. I'm in the club now. But feeling aches and pains, and and we all go through these things. And sometimes it's the flu, sometimes it's a cold, broken bones, pulled muscles, and sometimes it's cancer. Sometimes it's a heart attack. And sometimes it's deadly diseases. As a care pastor here at Old North, I see this all too often. In fact, this week, it's been a rough week around here. We've had close friends that are members of Old North that have gone to be with the Lord. We rejoice in that, that they are with the Lord, but our hearts are broken. We've had many of you that have gone through surgeries recently and have battled cancer. In fact, you can pick up a prayer connection at the Welcome Center and you'll see what's going on. So we have a physical battle that we go through each every day. Then there's also an emotional battle. How many, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have had anxiety? (laughs) You know, I mean, there's an emotional battle that we go through and sometimes the emotional battle is effects from the physical battle that is raging. I mean, there's things like broken relationships, death of a loved one, loss of a job, financial challenges. There are so many emotional battles that we face all the time. But there's one battle, the third battle, that we ignore, intentionally ignore. And that is a battle with sin. It's a battle with sin. It's a battle we face each and every day. We take our eyes off of that battle. In fact, we are so focused on the physical and emotional, we take our eyes off of the battle of sin that rages. The writer of this psalm experienced, really just like all of us, these confrontations, and we see throughout the psalms that sin is the bigger battle that we face. Now, these tough but encouraging words are in uh, the 32nd Psalm. Now, as a care pastor, I'm always reading the 23rd Psalm. Well, we're going to flip that this morning, the 32nd Psalm. It says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. The writer knew as well as we do that the sin battle, the emotional battle, and the physical battle is an overall war that we cannot win. We cannot win. We need our Lord, don't we? We cannot go through this on our own. Friends, there's times where our spouse will let us down, our neighbors will let us down, our friends will let us down, our church will let us down, but the Lord will not let you down. We need him. So He's we hold secure within the stronghold. We hold secure within this castle We hold secure in his strength and fortress, but we have to understand that it's not a place. It's not a place that we trust in, this fortress. It's a person, and that person is the Lord your God. He is our fortress, and did you know that fortress is mentioned 19 times in the Psalms? 19 times it's mentioned, so it's pretty important. But let's turn back to Psalm 91 once again, and let's look at some of the challenges that are on display in this chapter. If you look, there's the snare of the fowler, deadly pestilent, terror of the night, arrows, destruction, evil, a lion, a serpent. Pick your poison, it's there. And you could probably add to this list as well. But I want to look at the snare of the fowler. This is kind of interesting. In this context, a snare really is a device that the hunter sets up strategically to try and catch a prey a targeted subject that he sets up to catch. And here the hunter is a fowler, which is a bird hunter. And just as a fowler sets a trap for a bird, Satan, the evil one, is setting a trap for those that are followers of the Lord. If you call yourself a Christian today, Satan wants to attack you. If you are a believer today, Satan wants to attack you. He wants to crush you. He wants to smash you to pieces. He wants to destroy you. And I know you're thinking, Pastor Rick, thank you for depressing me once again this morning. But you know what, friends? We have hope. We have hope. So let's look at what the refuge in the Lord's castle looks like in this chapter. We have shelter. We have shadow. He is our deliverer. We are under his wings. He is our shield and buckler, our guardian, and he is our protector. So we have hope. We have hope in the Lord one of these stands out to me, and it's pinions, which are bird feathers. The reason why it stands out to me is, again, as I've turned 50, I've taken up a new hobby. The new hobby is bird watching. So I'm out in the backyard. I've got two bird feeders in my backyard, and I've got two suet feeders on a tree. In the back of my property... Used to be a Christmas tree farm in the 30s and 40s, and it's been abandoned. And all these Christmas trees are 40 to 50 feet high. So we've got birds all over the place. In fact, there was a hawk in my backyard yesterday. I'll show you some pictures later, but there was a hawk in my backyard. So there's all kinds of birds that come in. Well, last spring, about six o'clock in the morning, I kept hearing this bird chirping. And it was beautiful. I mean it wasn't beautiful that it was a six o'clock in the morning, but it was a beautiful sounding bird and I look out the window and I get my binoculars and I'm looking and my wife, Jerry's like, you're like a creepy old man just staring out the window. (laughs) And I'm looking at my binoculars out there and I looked and did some research and it was a Carolina wren, beautiful bird, a Carolina wren. It was just incredible, sitting up there chirping on my garage. Well, later in the day, I sneak out because I've got this flower basket, beautiful flower basket hanging from my garage. And I kept noticing the bird going in there. So I go out and I get up on my tiptoes and look inside this basket. And there is this mother wren with her feathers, pinions, completely covering her baby birds, protected in a fortress of flowers up above the ground. Friends, just as those baby birds trust their mother and father, we can trust our heavenly father, can't we? We can trust in the same way we can trust his wisdom, we can trust his sovereignty. We can trust our Lord. We can trust all things to the Lord. Our physical bodies, the sin we go through, the emotional struggles we have. We can trust all things to our Lord. Now, I do a lot of grief counseling around here. I'm leading grief share right now and some individual counseling that we do. And in grief counseling, there's something we talk about called um, the fact that we have blinders on. We cannot see the fringes. We have tunnel vision. In fact, we all have tunnel vision spiritually. Tunnel vision, we can't see what's happening on the fringes of life. We can only see what's happening straight ahead and we wish we knew what God God was doing on the fringes. But you know what? We can trust in him. We can trust in a God who has great wisdom, great care, and great love for all of us that are dwelling in the shelter of the Lord. Now Jesus understood that In his humanity, he knew to trust his heavenly father even when it seemed like there was no way out for him. Mark chapter 14, verse 32 through 36 says these words about Jesus as he faced torture and death. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. He said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Listen to those words from our Savior so, if Jesus can trust his heavenly Father with the burdens of all of mine and your sin on his shoulders, certainly we can trust in the same heavenly Father. We can trust in him. So, friends, when the Lord is our refuge and our fortress, then there is no other place a protection of protection other than remaining in the indestructible, impenetrable fortress of the Lord. I'm going to say that again. There's no other place of protection other than remaining in the indestructible, impenetrable fortress of the Lord, remaining there. We have a tendency to want to get out of the walls. We want a tendency to run. We need to remain in the fortress of the Lord. Earlier I mentioned that the word fortress is mentioned 19 times in the Psalms, and I'm going to read some of those right now. It's going to be rapid fire, like arrows flying. I'm going to read some of these. Psalm 18.2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Psalm 31.2, incline your ear to me, rescue me speedily, be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. Psalm 31.3, for you are a rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. Psalm 46.7, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Psalm 48.3, within her citadels, God has made himself known as a fortress. Psalm 59:9 Oh my strength, I will watch for you. For you, O oh God, are my fortress. As I catch my breath. Psalm 59:16 But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of the steadfast love in the morning. For you have been a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. Isn't that encouraging? The struggles that we are going through even today, that we have a fortress we can remain in, a God that we can trust, his wisdom and his love for us. Earlier, Pastor Nick had mentioned in his prayer about those of you that are sending your kids off to college. I talked with some of you this past week and what a challenging time that is. I sent my daughter Rebecca off to college a few years ago and I cried like a baby and I'm gonna send my son Ricky off to college in a couple years and I'll cry like a baby as well. It's a challenge that we have. We're sending our child out into this world but we know that we can trust in the fortress of the Lord. If you're sending your child out for the first time to school for the very first time this week, you can trust in the fortress of the Lord. I've been ministering to a lot of widows lately and widowers. If you're widowed it's a challenge, isn't it? You don't have your loved one anymore. There's sorrow, there's loneliness. But friend, you can trust in the fortress of the Lord. If you're putting your parent into a nursing home, and I've walked some of you through that and that is another challenge. You can trust in the fortress of the Lord. If you're struggling struggling with a physical ailment this morning, something that is you don't think you can overcome trust in the fortress of the Lord. If you're struggling with sin today, and every single person in this room is struggling with sin today, trust in the fortress of the Lord. So it's clear here that we're well-equipped and protected for battle, aren't we? It's clear in this scripture, and that nothing can breach the walls of the fortress. It says it right here in Psalm 91. Earlier I showed you a couple of castles that fell, but you're probably wondering, is there a castle that did not fall in history? I mean, the two we talked about fell, but here it is. It's in Syria. It's in Syria, and I love this picture. I mean, this is one that's right up on a hill, uh, heavily fortified structure, but here's what I found. So the crusaders built this castle behind enemy lines, and somehow it has stood the test of time. It's an iron fortress, and it's so powerful, it became the model for all future crusade castles. For it to be built somewhere behind enemy lines where it's constantly under attack means it had to be a formidable fortress and formidable not to be captured or overrun. In fact, it's been said that not even God could smash this fortress, but you know as well as I do, God could just blink and it's gone. So friends today, you're ready for battle. You know why you're ready for battle? Because if you are a follower of Jesus, then you are safe and protected within the fortress of the Lord. I have one other thing to share with you as I close out this message on Psalm 91. As I shared with you my love for siege warfare and also my love for birds, I wanna leave with you a quote from my favorite book of all time. Well, my favorite book besides the Bible, of course. And it's from the Lord of the Rings and the character Bilbo Baggins was contemplating retiring from battles and contemplating retiring from adventures. And he says this, well, I've made up my mind anyway. I want to see mountains again, Gandalf, mountains again, and find somewhere where I can rest. I love that quote. My friends, we are all just weary travelers, aren't we? We're tired, we're wore out, we're being attacked left and right. And even if things are calm right now, you know something's gonna happen again. But we know after looking at this psalm, we can trust in the fortress of the Lord, no matter what challenges come our way. So the point of this chapter is to trust in the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Friends, why don't you bow with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God, as we sit here, we are in awe of you in awe of a God who loves us and cares for us and protects us. In those times where we don't understand why you're doing the things you do, Lord, we are going to trust in you completely. You are the only one who knows what's happening on the fringes of life. So Lord, we trust completely in you. And Father, I lift up our brothers and sisters in Christ in this room that are struggling, Lord. Bring comfort, protection, and love from your fortress. And it's in Jesus' name, amen.